everybody. I love seeing some new and old friends. We have Jesse here with us today. So congratulations. They just got married. Um, Exciting. Okay. Um, so this past week we celebrated Passover. Um, and what's really cool is that there were so many churches in our city that were having like celebrations at the same time or like some kind of acknowledgement of that as we remember the cross and the blood of the lamb. Um, so there were a lot of conferences that happened this last weekend. Um, and some of us got had the privilege of being able to attend little bits and pieces of, of a few of them. Um, so their uh, Hope City House of Prayer um, was hosting a conference called The Return. Um, so some of us went to that Friday night in lieu of Bible study. And then uh, yesterday, a few of us went to visit Garden City. Many of you guys have seen some of our Garden City friends coming to our prayer room. So we got to join them um, for their conference and hear a leader from um, the upper room share on the Great Commission. So I just wanted to give opportunity, like anytime you, you guys, you know, like anytime we go to a conference or a mission trip or a retreat, like it's kind of nice to bring back a little food for this the family, so to speak, um, and just like share a little bit of what we got with our body as a whole. Um, so I'm going to invite a few of the people that attended some of those conferences up to share just little two second nuggets um, with you guys to, to kind of impart what they uh, received from the Lord this weekend. Um, so I'll start with uh, Daniel and then we'll go to Cindy, Jeff, uh, Mitch and Janine. Yeah, there were so many good things that were shared, um, so many good things that happened during these two conferences. I, I don't have the time to share them all, but personally, I, um, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit manifest corporately in a way I've never felt before um, during these two meetings. Um, it reminds me of Acts where the believers were all in one accord in one place, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, I think it's exciting for me to see even uh, the first fruits of the unity, like in the body of Christ, um, uh, just being exposed to different ministries, different um, uh, houses of prayers, and, and, and these churches in, in this city that where people, everyone came together to worship Jesus. Uh, it was really powerful. Um, I think it gives me even more faith for the future um, and also more faith to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and more faith to pray for unity in the church, um, even just the, the humility uh, and the unity of uh, the leaders of different churches in our city uh, being displayed. Uh, it was very encouraging. It's something I've never seen or experienced before. Um, but I just felt like very strongly during these meetings that God is going to bring forth like something very significant in in Columbus and in this generation in the years to come, uh, starting with unity, I think, starting with just a, a faithful priesthood who will minister to him, um, kind of a shift in the expression of ch church as we know it, I think there's something more that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in terms of our intercession, in terms of our, our devotion. Um, yeah, personally, something that stood out to me was um, they said that you're not important than the house that supports you. Um, so this, like, this spiritual family, it's been such a blessing, and I think there's more that God wants to produce um, in us and through us. Hello, I attended the Return Conference hosted by um, Hope City, and I think I had three big takeaways where um, one was getting out of your comfortable comfort zone, two was honoring leaders, and then three, uh, seeing, being the bigger, like seeing the bigger picture, I guess, in what like the body of Christ will do. And I, for one, 
um, I think getting out of our comfort, my comfort zone was, uh, it was a longer service. It was great. (laughs) But at the end, they were kind of like, instead of giving a monetary offering, they wanted us to stay until they dismissed. (laughs) Which went on to what we expected to about 10 p.m. to about 12 p.m. to like, going on and so it was like we we weren't able to stay for as long but we did we did uh most of it and it was really good and really like edifying yeah i think so the poor poor dogs were in the crate for like five (laughs) plus hours and so that was one i think a big takeaway into that like they we prayed so much and we prayed uh very loudly and boldly and worship very boldly too. So I was very edifying and too. Um, two was honoring leaders and that how like they had pastors and leaders go up at the front. And there was about 20 of them, maybe more. And just seeing how their work and how much they've done in doing an event, a multi-day event is a very hard lift, a very big lift. And so that was a very, um, I appreciate that. Like Mama Juan went up, Priscilla went up and Joseph went up as like our pastors and representatives. And I think even two, like three, being a bigger body where it's like, again, so many representatives and we were able to just see the workings of a whole body versus just like a one single ministry. Um, so I, th- I think it's cool. I, I like what uh, Cindy touched on because the it was, it was, it was incredible because these, the people had been there probably from, you know, like they had been there all day and they went until like the wee hours of the morning. And then the next day we went back and they'd been going from the morning till like two o'clock. So I've only seen like meetings like that in like the underground church of China, but I appreciate just seeing that spiritual hunger in our own city where people are willing to come before the Lord and keep seeking after him. Um, so I like what Cindy touched on, you know, a lot of us, we understand the concept of tithing our money, but sometimes we don't often, like it's harder sometimes for us to get like what it means to, to sacrifice our time before the Lord. Um, so I love that, you know, we saw that and it was amazing just to see um, God bringing about some unity in the church leadership as well. So um, I'll invite uh, Jeff and then Mitch up next to share. Good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, it's good that um, I was able to attend a conference. And um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is um, the message that um, knowing Jesus um it's not as simply as be there. Um, it's uh, a relationship that you have to uh, keep exploring and keep um, searching for the heart of God. And um, yeah, that's the only way to know him. It's like um, what the proverb says, like um, it's pressure of kings to hide things and um, that uh, that we should seek out um, the heart of Jesus like with, like it's a treasure so that um, that we got to really know him. So yeah, I think that really touched my heart because um, it re- by knowing him, it really changed our um, relationship with him. Um, just giving a greater revelation of who he is. For example, like you know, just knowing that he's a king, um, like can change the way we pray. Like we can pray him like he's a king, knowing that he has dominion and rulership. So yeah, so I think um, that really touched my heart, and um, just keep knowing him and not just um, being passive, but being active in seeking out God. So yeah. So I, I want to hit on that, too, because um, one of the things, who, who was it that said it? It might have been last night, actually. Uh, the guy speaking, I forget his name. You guys remember? Smith? Aaron, yeah, Aaron Smith. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, he was saying, um, you know, like sometimes with uh, people who get married, like, you know, there, there's that, you know, that blissful stage in the beginning and. Like they're pursuing each other still. They're going on dates. They're, you know, uh, yeah. They're they're like super happy all the time. You know, like they they can't, you know. They're like they're like these two. They're like these two, right? Keep that going. Keep that going. But like, uh, you know, like over time, you know, a lot of people if they don't have the vision, you know, in their hearts set, so like it, they just lose that fire. Like, you know, and they just become people who like. You know, they just live in the same house. They have schedules that 
work with one another. They don't necessarily, you know, there's nothing else there, really, you know, and it, it just becomes like convenient roommates, you know. And, uh, um, that, and, and that reflects a lot of, like, uh, believers nowadays where, you know, how we treat Jesus, you know. Um, it's like a convenient roommate where we just kind of, we work with it, you know, but we're not necessarily, like, pursuing, you know, we're not giving things up, we're not, like, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I also wanted to just, yeah, like, honor the people who, uh, you know, there's so many leaders in this city who have been at it for years and years and years, decades. Uh, there was one guy Friday night. Um, I'm trying to remember the church. Um, anyway, he's been going at it for 50, 50 some years, um, or I think 50 this year. And uh, he, you know, like I'm not even 50 years old. I'm not even close to 50 years old. I'm not even 30. But, you know, the, you know, just to think, like, the guy's been in prayer, you know, laboring in the place of intercession for the city for 50 years. And you have to have more than, more than just a, a spark, more than just, like, some little passion to, to keep that going, you know, year after year, decade after decade. And, uh, and you know, because, I mean, just in, in my walk, like, you know, there's been times where, like, I've, I've burned out and I've had to, like, you know, really check myself and, like, you know, come, like, come back to Jesus and be like, hey, like, I got to sign up again. Like, this is, you know, what, what I've gone is not good. I got to keep, you know, I've got to keep signing up. And, uh, you know, just, just to think, like, 50 years, like, what, what, is that, what does that look like in the heart? You know, what does that look like to Jesus? You know, uh, Jesus, you know, he's... He's beyond time. He's beyond, um, you know, he, it, like 50 years to him is like a drop. You know, he, he looks at it. It's like, you know, have you ever seen like, a, um, like the, the string analogy where, you know, it's like, uh, I'm blanking on the name again, but he brings out a string, the pastor, and, uh, you know, it's basically represents eternity and it just goes on and on. It's like a, hundred foot string and he looks at like this one little speck on the string and that's like a thousand years you know even smaller it'd be like 50 years you know but uh you know to him jesus like you know we we are inheriting thousands of years you know of prayers you know thousands of years of uh you know, intercession and labor, you know, from the church early on. Um, in the city, like, I mean, this this church started, you know, uh, how many years ago am I one? Yeah. T- 12? 12. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 30 years. Not just 30 years, more, 40 years, 45 years. We'll just say 45 years, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're inheriting that. You know, we're reaping that today, and we'll continue to reap that uh, later on. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Just, you know, in this city, we have, you know, many churches collectively who've been at it for so many years, so many decades. And, uh, um, and to think that... You know, us, us youngins, people who aren't even 50 years old or 40 or even 30, like, we're walking into that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a passing of the torch. Like, we get to, you know, participate in that now. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I thought uh, that was probably the coolest thing I saw this weekend. And, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so I went to the Friday night um, with Will Ford, um, and there was a lot that happened to me um, there. Um, so a couple things that stood out to me were um, like the prayers of our like family, 
from like generations ago, like how we can step into those prayers for today. Um, so that kind of hit me really hard. And then also when he was talking about like stop the show and not have like worship be like what like, oh, I want to sing because I want people to know me. Like, I'm really thankful for this church because we don't do that here. Like, we really are, like, have hearts of, like, David, and it's all into the Lord, and it's not a show. Um, so that really stuck out to me. Um, and that was, like, really heavy on me. Um, and <clears throat> okay, so, <laughs> um, when, like, there was a fire tunnel at the end of the night, and... Um, when I was, I was like at the end of the line pretty much. And like the entire time I felt like the Lord's hand was on my heart. And I felt like he was just kind of like squeezing my heart. I thought like I was going to die. Like my heart, I felt like it was going to explode. And um, when I got into the line, like in the beginning of the tunnel, like I just felt this like heavy weight on, like on me. Um and, like, I just felt like there's just so much, like, a greater level of importance of, like, this is really important to the Lord to have a heart of David. And then people started talking, like, over me about a couple different things. But then somebody touched my stomach, and I felt like I was, like, birthing something. Like, I was, like, doubled over, like, ah! <laughs> like, um, so, like, I don't really, like, I'm trying to, like, talk through the Lord with all of that. But, like, um, yeah, I was just really touched in the deeper way um yeah just to have a heart of david so yeah. all right so i uh i went to both uh the friday and saturday uh conferences um I'll talk a little bit about both, but mainly by the Saturday one, because I definitely clocked out on the Friday one, because we were there for so long, and I don't really remember what happened, but, um, but like, uh, even, uh, but there was this one moment uh, on Friday uh, that uh, there was like a fire, like tunnel, whatever it's called, like a prayer tunnel going on where like all the pastors were laying hands on like everyone. And like uh, in the beginning, I was just like, uh, you know, I waddled up there because uh, I was really tired. Um, but like after going through there, I felt a lot more energized and I felt a lot more awake uh, than I did before, and I even even after going back home, I ended up staying up because I couldn't go back to sleep. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, and like uh, I really feel like the uh, there was like the, definitely the spirit of the Lord was uh, in the room, and uh, definitely uh, the spirit energized me in that moment. Kind of wish it happened earlier, um, but you know that's okay. Uh, better late than never, um, but. Uh, on Saturday, uh, there was um, this one part that it, uh, was I thought was really interesting was uh, just uh, the fact that um, I don't remember which uh, one was speaking because there was like multiple people that came up and I'm really bad with names. Uh, but uh, he was uh, he was talking about uh, athlete's foot uh, <laughs> um, and uh, just. Uh, and he was like really just like hammering in on like uh like spiritually wise like uh have your uh feet been washed and like how like clean have you been cleansed by the spirit and like it kind of remind me of like like when Jesus washed like your feet like when was the last time you went to Jesus uh, to ask him to wash your feet, like when was the last time you asked Jesus to like cleanse you and all that, and and like uh, even just like uh, like uh, and like even now I feel like oh I I probably have a spiritually wise athlete's foot, um, <laughs> uh, so and just like uh, even uh, uh, prayer room uh, this morning I came in at seven a.m. Uh, to do prayer room. Uh, and even just praying to like be cleansed um and to get rid of that like dust that's on on like like on the path uh to the lord and so
Thanks, Emily. Yeah, I love I, I love Emily, you know, just her transparency, you know, but I feel like she just embodies like there's a blessing that you get sometimes when you are, just have the humility and the faith to just show up. You know, because there's so many times where like most of us be like, maybe we're not like really not really feeling it. You got up super early. You've been at work all day. Like your mind is a little bit done. But like sometimes like God is so faithful that when we just like show up and we're just like we're we just put ourselves before the Lord, like he's faithful to show up and encounter us. So I love that. Um, and I love that w- what she shared. Um I want to, you know, I just want to encourage us with one last thing before we invite Priscilla up to share. But I think that it's so cool to me, like one of the things that was touching to me over the, you know, the weekend and seeing the conferences is seeing Jesus stir up love and faith in people's hearts and bind his church together in love all throughout our city. Um, some of you guys uh, may not know, but there were, you know, there's leaders in the body of like multiple churches that had strife or conflict that have been reconciled and are now willing to walk together again. And like over a period of years, like that, that happened, like God is doing something in our city. Um, and so it's so encouraging to me because one of the things that we pray for on a regular basis in the prayer room is the church in our city, because it's in so many Bible verses. Most of Paul's prayers are not for the lost. They're not for um, other things. They're for the church. Primarily, they're for the church. And so when we come into agreement, like Mitch was sharing with generations worth of prayers, like who knows, like the Lord might have like moved through those prayers to like bring about some of what's happening now in our city. So I just think it's cool to like lay eyes on the people that we're praying for um, and to, to kind of put, you know, faces to it. Like it's almost like when you go to another country, when you come home and you pray for that country, you're not going to pray for them the same way as if you'd never been there. Um, so I think it's so awesome to see like just what the Lord is working in our city and to be able to continue like pressing in in prayer and building relationships with them. So Praise God for um, this past weekend. I'm going to invite Priscilla up to share uh, the message with us today. So if you guys can just stretch out your hands with me. Mm. Father, we just thank you um, just for our spiritual family and for our church leadership. God, thank you for the wands and just their long history in prayer and in humility and faithfully serving you, Father. Um, God, we just honor that, Lord, and I pray that you would just bless Priscilla today. She shares with us that you would, um, yeah, just that she would be your vessel, that you would uh, flow through her and speak through her, God, um, that your word would come alive, God, and that it would fall on good soil in our hearts, that it would bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you'll open your Bibles to Luke. I actually, uh, oh, I do have a PowerPoint today. I was going to say I don't, (laughs) but I do. Uh, I remembered I had compassion in the last moment, and I was like, I should do a PowerPoint. (laughs) Okay, so um, all right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter uh, 10. It's be a short message today. I loved all the sharing. Today I just saw a glimpse of, oh, wow, Cindy can be a preacher one day. Yeah, you did three points. That was such a preacher move. I don't know, guys. It might happen one day. Preacher Cindy, you might see it happen. Okay. So anyway, uh, so... Uh, Real quick, I want to. I told this story before, but I want to tell it again. Uh, one time, I was in Singapore, and uh, I looked over to the person to my right, and there was this girl who had one picture on her phone. It was a picture of herself. She took a selfie, and for fifteen to twenty minutes on the uh, entire bus ride, she was sitting there flipping through selfie filters, like one after the other. Like, how do I look the best? Right? An entire fifteen minute, twenty minute ride on the bus. Flip, flip, flip maybe put a sparkle here. And I was dying. Like I was dying just watching her next to me do this. And I was like, in my mind, as this groan came out, this, the religious like groan came out of me. And I said, God, we're so selfish. Like why are people so selfish and so preoccupied with themselves? And I just felt the Holy Spirit go, oh, that? Priscilla, you do that every day. 
you just don't do it with a picture filter. You're just thinking about yourself every day when you wake up. Like, how do I look? How do I... Not that we don't care about how we look or how we... But every day it's this filter. Like, how are people seeing me? How do I make myself more appealing, more better? You know, and so there's this conviction in my heart. Like, Priscilla, that's you. You do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do that. <laughs> like, I am far more guilty of this. And uh, and the grown change from this religious pharmaceutical spirit to being like, God, help me. Like, how do I stop thinking about myself from the moment that I wake up till the moment I go to bed, my emotions going up and down based on how people treat me or what's going on in my life. Like, how do I get out of that? And just realizing that the only way we stop beholding ourselves is if we, is if we start beholding God. Okay. If we start beholding God. Um, and unfortunately, even the way that, you know, I've led in the past, like a lot of what we try to do with people and with ourselves is we try to behave like God. We learn about a lot about him, and then we try to behave uh, almost like a Confucius, like this is what we ought to do, and we try to behave like him. But God doesn't call us just to behave like God. He calls us to become, right? To become like him. And the only way we become like him is if we behold him. Um, that's what the, the uh, uh, New Testament talks about, that in beholding the Lord, we become like him. And, uh, you know, Mitch uh, mentioned that yesterday there was a great uh, talk about, you know, married couples and how they get to this place of just becoming roommates. Like, there's no fire anymore. There's no affection. Uh, there isn't a moving of the heart when they look at each other. They didn't take the time to to reserve date date nights or or loving on each other and and cultivating love with one another and so really they're just roommates with scheduled times that are convenient is what Mitch was saying and it's so true like I I when he said that I felt myself being like that that's happening with me and God I know it like I'm so used to church used to the language used to the routine and I'm like losing the heart of affection, like it doesn't move me like it used to. And and that's why I, I really wanted to touch on Mary of Bethany today. Um, Mary of Bethany is arguably Jesus's BFF. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not saying that on a theological basis, but what he says about her is way different what, than what he says about any disciple because she is the only person that Jesus says, like, hey, what she did for me was beautiful. What she did, like, she was the one who poured out oil on Jesus' feet. And she's the only one out of all the disciples, all 12 to 100, some, 300, whatever, only one that Jesus said about her, that what she's done for me has moved me in my heart. And what she has done for me, wherever the gospel's preached, They'll talk about her. Like, I loved what she did so much that I'm going to make sure that wherever my name is mentioned, she'll be right there. The gospel as a memorial to her because it so moved my heart. That's Mary of Bethany. So I just want to go through three passages. And my hope, as we look at how Mary of Bethany related to Jesus, that it would stir our hearts and inspire us Yeah, like, I want that kind of relationship with Jesus. So let's look at the first passage. Luke, uh, we can go to the next slide. First passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Good job, Martha. Right. <laughs> like that, that's a good thing. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. 
Um, Martha and Mary, we know this story. It's so famous. But what Mary did that moved Jesus' heart was that she loved being in his presence. Being in his presence. Like, that, she was presence-driven. It wasn't enough that he was in the room next door teaching. It wasn't enough that, that he was ministering to others. She had to be the one who, in proximity, sat at his feet so close to the actual presence of Jesus. Right? That moves Jesus' heart. That it's not enough that I sit here and hear about him. It's not enough that I sit here and I hear his voice on the other side of the room. I got to be sitting there in close proximity to his feet. And I always say this, but you know, whenever people want to sit before Jesus, whenever people want to be loving on him, sitting before his feet and feeling his love and being in close proximity, there's always going to be accusation. There's always going to be accusation. And accusation comes from Martha here, right? And she says, oh, I forgot we have a TV up here now. I can actually look at this. Thank you, Jeff. Good job, Jeffy. <laughs> I don't know how you climbed up there with a TV, to be honest. That looks kind of dangerous. <laughs> um, but Martha, Martha loved Jesus. It wasn't that she didn't love Jesus. And actually, in the Bible later on, you'll see that Jesus, it says about Jesus that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? But Martha was distracted with much serving. All of us, whether we're doing ministry or not, we're serving. And we're serving God in our schoolwork. We're serving God in our families. We're serving the Lord with, um, you know, doing our, our, our daily jobs. And these are good things. They're needed things but she was distracted by them. And that's the temptation, is to be distracted by these. And, uh, and then Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, what's one of the symptoms that we're distracted and we ought to be sitting in front of Jesus' feet? What's the symptom? Is anxious. You're anxious and troubled. Like, we consider that normal nowadays. They're like, that's a symptom of being human and, you know, whatever. And actually, Jesus was shocked. Jesus was saying, that's abnormal, Martha. And you're anxious and you're troubled, right? And he, he kindly invites her and says, one thing is necessary. He gives her the solution right then and there. You know, I think a lot of us would be like, well, oh, are you struggling with anxiety? Are you struggling with this? Go get a psychologist, go get some drugs, uh, go ahead and take a vacation and get, you know, this, da, 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 right? And Jesus' solution, one thing, one thing, that's all you need. One thing is necessary. Let me say it another way. One thing is, is absolutely essential, is what Jesus is saying. One thing is non-negotiable. One thing is necessary, and Mary chose it. Like, I just, I just look at, you know, um, oh, I don't want to go on, because there's a lot more passages I want to go through, but um, I, I just want us to catch a glimpse right here of Jesus' heart. Like, he loves Martha. He loves Mary. And he's, his longing for Martha to take a moment to stop what she's doing and come, sit, sit with me. And the way that he looks at Mary, and he looks at Mary, and he's like, wow, she, you chose such a good thing. Thank you for choosing me and my presence. Thank you for choosing to be with me. Right? And that's the invitation he gives to all of us. That's why Mary of Bethany moved his heart. Let's go on to the next verse of Mary of Bethany. John chapter 12. Uh, you can flip to that in your Bibles if you like. I like it when we flip to Bibles because then you know I'm not just making up stuff, but it's actually in there. John chapter 12, 1 through 7. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, Again, the accuser, right? 
always poor Mary. <laughs> poor Mary's just trying to love on Jesus and her, her sister's like, nah, 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 and then Jesus is like, nah, 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 you know, like, and Martha's just like, <laughs> you know, I just want to love on Jesus. Help me here. But, <laughs> but Judas, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why the waste? Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Uh, I put by the waste because this is a collaboration between John and Luke. They both talk about the same story, um, but Luke gives certain uh, insight into who said it and, and what more they said. So why the waste? Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it. Another way of phrasing that in Hebrew is actually she intended to keep it. That's what the purpose of that ointment was for. For the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. You do not always have me. I'm going to take a moment uh, to, to kind of highlight a few things here. Um, I, I say this all the time, and I'll keep saying this, but when it comes to um, sitting before Jesus, like spending the time to actually like designate scheduled time to sit before him, or even just the desire to come before him, the accusation of why the waste? will always come in. And it won't always look like, why the waste, those three words, but it'll look like I have better things, I have more important things, I have more, you know, like this is not as important in comparison to these things, that is a waste of time because I have this and this and this. Right? And Jesus says, choose the better part. I love what Joseph was saying. He was saying, um, the other day, when we were on a panel at Hope Study talking, and and Joseph said, you know, I'm a doctor, like, because uh, Brian was saying, you're super busy, Joseph, you're a doctor, like, and he's like, yeah, he's like, but I, I've noticed something, like, amongst his peers and doctor friends, like, the divorce rate is huge for doctors, and he was saying that, um, like, they don't prioritize spending time with their wives, they put their, their main identity is their job. And that's why the divorce rate is huge. And um, he was saying, as Christians, our main priority is being lovers of God. Right. And we always make time for what our top priority is. And if, you know, husbands, like their top priority is wives and they don't need to spend time with their wives, how much more so we as Christians like must make that top priority of time to sit before Jesus, right? And that that sometimes I'm I'm imagining doctors will say it like, "Why the waste of <laughs> like spending time with her?" Like I did this before, like you know, da 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 da. Like she should still be happy, <laughs> like you know. But that we have that same you know um, opportunity to to go the other way with Jesus and say, "No, it's not a waste." Sitting before you and spending time with you is not a waste. And you know what is a waste? Like Netflix is a waste. Our YouTube binging is a waste. Our uh, laying in bed for, I don't know what we, how many of you guys do this? I do this sometimes. Becca's like, it's time to get up. <laughs> like me laying there in bed after I'm awake and it's like I've been awake for half an hour and I'm still in bed. Like that's a waste. Right? Like, let's lay those on the altar first, because oftentimes we're like, oh, no, I'm too busy because I got school, I got this, I got that, that. Well, like, take an honest look at our time. Just was saying, like, those doctors that divorce their wives, like, for some reason, they're still up to date on the newest, like, news, you know, articles and, and, and the newest, like, somehow they had time to look through, you know, Twitter and read the news and figure out all those things, but the wife, got laid to the side. They know the, the newest like Netflix videos and everything these doctors do, but they're wise. I don't got time for that, right? And like, but not Mary. Not Mary. You know what it says about Mary? She didn't look at Jesus and think that he was a waste at all. Like it said, just leave her alone. She intended to keep it. Do you know how much a pound of expensive ointment was that she poured out? It says a year worth, a year worth of money. 
And we think, oh, she just happened to have it on her side. And she was like, oh, let's give it to Jesus. I have a little extra oil. Like, let me give it to Jesus. A year worth? No. Jesus says she intended to keep it. It meant that every day Mary had this piggy bank. And she would work a little. And in her mind, oh, I, I can give this to Jesus. I can buy him an offering of my love. Like, she would put her money in there for a year, maybe more. Like, she looked at the worth of Jesus, and she kept saving, and she kept saving, and she kept saving. And she kept working with a heart full of love, like, for the purpose of pouring it out on Jesus. And she finally got to that day. She finally got to that day. She saved up a year's worth. What is that for today? 30,000, 40,000, 30,000 is really low. 40,000, you know, 50,000 dollars. She saved and she saved every year, looking forward to the day. And finally she buys oil and she walks into the room. Like I imagine her hands shaking. She's so excited. She looks at Jesus and she just weeps and she weeps and she weeps because she knows He's about to give his life because he said it. And she's shaking and she's wanting to give Jesus her life. Her life because she knows he's giving his. And she pours it out completely at his feet. You know, like Jesus is so moved by her. So moved by her. Leave her alone. What she did was beautiful. That's what Jesus said in scripture. What she did was beautiful. For me, it, meaning Jesus said, my heart was so moved by what Mary did. Leave her alone. Like, I'm having a moment with her. Like, she gets me. And she doesn't just want things from me. She knows what's happening in my heart, and it matters to her. Right? Like, that's Mary. Mary of Bethany. Like, I want to move to this, this last passage. I want to see um, another contrast between Martha and Mary, but I want us to really and hopefully uh, be in awe at at how Jesus responded to these two women differently. Um, In the beginning of this passage in John 11, it actually says that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We know the story. Lazarus dies, right? And um, so Jesus goes over to Mary and Martha, and when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Jesus said, uh, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, pay attention to that part. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live. And anyone who lives in me uh, and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Great conversation. Very true. Comforting, right? Jesus is trying to comfort Martha. Martha comes to him heartbroken, probably crying, her brother, right, whom she loves. And Jesus says, you know what? It's okay. Your brother will rise again. Like, Jesus even knows, just 30 more minutes, Martha, you know, like in his mind. Like, he's going to rise again. It'll be all right, you know. And basically, uh, Martha and Jesus have a truthful and theological conversation, Right? Um, a theological relationship. Like, let's discuss this. We know what's true. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Faith, right? But let's take a moment to see how Martha, or Mary, Mary actually goes through the same thing Martha does, but there's a way different reaction. Let's go to the next slide. So when she, Mary, heard that Jesus was here, she rose quickly and went to him. When the Jews were with her in the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. Martha rose, walked out. Mary heard Jesus here, got up, ran to his presence. 
Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, same thing, said the exact same words that Martha said. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And you know what Jesus did because it was Mary? Because this is Mary, his friend, who poured out oil on his feet. When he saw her crying, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and Jesus wept. Do you catch that? Do you catch the difference in the relationship of Martha with Mary? There's a theological but truthful and good conversation. And Mary loved Martha, and Martha loved Mary. Or sorry, uh, sorry, Martha loved Jesus, and Jesus loved Martha. Sorry, (laughs) let me mess that up, but... You know, they had a good relationship, you know, but there was Mary of Bethany, where when Jesus saw her weeping, he just couldn't help himself. Because he and Jesus, she and Jesus, Mary, they were tied in an emotional, like, bond of friendship. Like, Jesus looked at Mary, the one who sat at his feet, who loved his presence, who poured out all her her oil before him, who who saw how he, what he was going through and cared. And when he saw her, it was a total different reaction. And I I read that about Mary, and I'm like, uh, God, like, I want to be Mary. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know how to explain it. And I hope that, that in sharing this, like, you guys feel the same, that, like, God, like, I want a relationship with you. Yeah, like, we discuss things, God, and I love that we talk theologi- theolo- theological stuff, and that's great and good. But, God, make me someone who loves your presence so much that really, like, knows your heart, like, that you feel supported as a friend, Jesus? Like, would you find a friend in me that loves your presence so much that, like, you know, I come before the Lord all the time crying, and I hope Jesus will give me an answer, but man, to come before the Lord crying and to see him cry too, because I'm crying, that, that's a whole other relationship. That's a whole other dynamic. And Jesus, am I there with you? Like, I want to be there. I want to be that kind of friend to you. You know? Um, and the invitation is open to all of us. The open invitation to all of us to be sitting at Jesus' feet, to be pouring our oil out before him at his feet, to love his presence to love his presence more than the theology of his head and the practicalities. Those are good. Those are wonderful things. But he's looking for people who just want to be in his presence, right? Who love him for him, not just what he can do, right? Yeah. Like, then, then our hearts will be moved, when we see him, then our love will not grow cold. And we sit before Jesus and hear his voice and feel his love and return and respond, love back to him. Um, yeah. I, I want to wrap up with this thought. Um, you know, Mary of Bethany, there was uh, one other person, uh, Mary, of, uh, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene and Mary Bethany were very similar in heart. And Mary Magdalene, if you, we just finished the cross and the crucifixion, um, going walking through that, Mary Magdalene was one of the only people who stayed the whole time while Jesus was being crucified on the cross. She just couldn't bear to leave him alone, you know. She just couldn't bear to to let him go through that suffering alone. Like, you know, uh, all the other dis- disciples, pretty much all of them. Like, even Peter, like, denied him three times, went away, (laughs) you know? But not Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene loved the presence of Jesus so much. She was so thankful for what he did for her. She's there the whole bloody time. And you know, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, we just talked about it last week, who's the first person she runs to? Or Jesus goes to? 
You know, if my dad were to rise from the dead, like, tonight, <laughs> like, which one of us and <laughs> the family member would he go to first, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure all of us kids would agree it would be my mom, <laughs> right? Like, you will, if you rise from the dead, you're just going to go to the first person <laughs> that, you know, that will be missing you the most. Yeah? Um, you go to the person who really loved you the most, and who moved your heart the most. And he goes to Mary of Bethany, who had the same heart of Mary, or Mary Magdalene, who had the same heart of Mary Bethany. And you know what it says about her when she realized who he was? Like, of course, she flips out, right? She flips out. But you know what Jesus says to her? Uh, I have to get going. Mary, stop clinging to me. <laughs> Like, that's what scripture says. Some people have theologically, like, tried to explain it as in, like, you know, Jesus didn't want her to burst into flames or something like that by touching her. I think what it was is that she saw Jesus and she had missed his presence so much that when he, she saw him, she clung to him and he had a lot to do. I mean, he just overcame death, like hell and heaven were bursting open and all these dominoes were happening all across the universe. And, you know, he has a lot to do. And he's like, Mary, I got to go to my father you let go (laughs) because she's like you know clinging to him clinging and that was Mary of Bethany at his feet where's Mary oh there she is always always when you talk about Mary Bethany where is she oh at his feet what is she doing listening what is she doing pouring things out (laughs) you know at his feet like I, I love this song that says like you will always find me at the feet of Jesus in communion, heart to heart, face to face. Like me, my hope for my life, and I'm not there yet, is that you guys don't remember me as the person sitting here preaching. And you don't remember me as the person who sat there in the side room, like discipling you. I hope that you remember me as a person who's, oh, always sitting in the presence of God and loving to be at his feet. So let's take a moment to pray into that because this is available for all of us. This is an invitation. Lord says that.